What do you think makes a great leader? The ability to walk the walk. Um, the ability to lead with questions and model the curiosity needed to get the job done. The ability to get out of the way. One of the greatest things that um, I learned as a leader, and it was both a gift and a curse for me, especially early on, was the fact that I gained more power as a leader when I gave away my power. Mm. I gained more power by creating other leaders. Rod Wallace has one of the most important jobs a leader can have, shaping the future of the next generation. His passion and his purpose is to create opportunities for young people in the African-American community through music. Rod has been in the music industry himself for 30 years. He's also a longtime school administrator and now runs a nonprofit that aims to open doors while also giving back. Our conversation with Rod Wallace is coming up on episode 47 of Power Forward. This is Power Forward. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to inform, entertain, and educate. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast series do not constitute legal or other professional advice, opinions, or endorsements of any kind. All right, welcome back to Power Forward, Justin White with Mateen Cleaves. Mateen, how you doing, my man? Oh, yeah, let's do it. I am flying high, ready to get going, baby. Well, Mateen, uh, I'm really excited for the show today. It's something a little bit different, uh, but something very important because mm-hmm. uh, it is Black History Month. And we, we are going to look at uh, the significance of this month through the lens of something that I know you are a huge, huge fan of. Uh, maybe the only thing that you like just as much as basketball, and that would be music. Because I know that not only are you a music fan, but you also have experience uh, working in the music industry yourself a little bit. Oh yeah, 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 definitely, man. Music, man, music is powerful, man. Music, I tell you, uh, I love it. You know, it's been a big inspiration in my life. So yeah, I I am ready to dive into this because this is gonna be great. Yeah, well, we, we have got uh, the, the perfect guy for this conversation, uh, as we are very pleased to welcome in Rod Wallace. Uh, he worked for Grove Studios in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Uh, you know, Mateen, I, I was looking at his his resume and his bio, and you know me, usually I like to, you know, tell our listeners right off the jump uh, what our guests do. And in Rod's resume, I mean, he just has so much. There are so many things he does, so many organizations he's involved with. So I'm going to let Rod do the honors and tell our listeners uh, a little bit about him. But but first and foremost, Rod, uh, thanks so much for joining us. It's great to have you on Power Forward. Thank you so much. It's, it's such a pleasure to be here. And I'm, I'm really happy to be able to talk to you guys today. All right. So so let's jump right in. So so give our listeners out there uh, an idea of, of who you are uh, and what you do, because, you know, as I mentioned at the start, you know, this is going to be uh, a lot about uh, the music business uh, and the work that you do um, associated with uh, helping African-Americans out in the community, in the community that you're in. Uh, and you, Rod, have, have what is it, 30 years now in the music business? Is that what I, I think I said? I've been tinkering around in music for the last 30 years, absolutely, in a number wow. of different ways. Yep, absolutely. All right, so so give us the rundown. So so tell us about you and, and what it is that you do. Uh, so um, I'm a husband and a father, first. Um, I, uh, many years ago, I was, I was really interested in music. I was the kid that was sitting in the barbershop, um, sitting in Magic Clipper and, and, and read the Jet 20, top 20 singles in Flint um, to the barbershop and I was two and three years old. I always had this interest in music, but that interest in music kind of blossomed into more of a curiosity about how we can learn to understand the world through music. So that led me to starting to listen to older music before my time. So um, when I was in college, I, I went to Eastern Michigan. I started in uh, telecommunications and film and I transitioned over to education because I felt like I could make a bigger impact in the neighborhoods like the ones I grew up in. So I always kept hip hop though at the forefront of what I was doing. So as I was a teacher, I found ways to include hip hop into what I was doing. It was always Mr. Wallace's class that was creating the songs along with some other classes, but creating the songs to get kids hyped up for the meet. 
Um, it was always Mr. Wallace that was DJing the parties for the kids and things of that nature and listening to music while they tested. And so um, I ended up going into administration, uh, became an assistant principal, then a principal. Um, and I, I maintained that curiosity because by by staying in tune with music, I was able to, to stay in tune with my students. Um, I had the opportunity out in River Rouge School District to help to create a music production program. And what we found in creating it was that we were able to make connections with students that normally was completely turned off from music. Um, and, and for me, if it was a reason for one student to come to school who normally wouldn't want to, it was good enough. And so students were making music and we've assisted young people in not only developing their skills and talents and making music to be able to work with other artists and things of that nature, but we've also helped to develop their transferable skills because music and music production and the music business teaches a number of skills that are crucial in the job market, um, including STEM-based competencies. You can learn math and science concepts through the creation of music. You can also learn about collaboration. You can also learn about critical thinking. Um, so that led me to, I had an opportunity to return to Eastern Michigan University to direct uh, their EMU Upper Bound program, which assists high school students in getting through and to college. Um, it's a federally funded program. It's been in place for, for several years at Eastern. Um, and while I was there, I said, you know what? I want to pursue that further. So I began working on my PhD there. And my PhD is in urban education with a focus on hip hop as pedagogy, hip hop as a teaching style. Um, there's a lot of discussion around education about culturally re relevant teaching, culturally relevant pedagogy. And for me, I try to make connections with students through hip hop. And that's what I intend to teach teachers to do. Because the thing about hip hop now is hip hop has been in place for almost 50 years. And it's been a commercial entity for, for about 45 to 40 years now. So I think that hip hop is not given the credit that it deserves that it is that it deserves as a form of communication, as a literacy, as a tool of culture that needs to be studied and can be a lens through which our kids can learn. So in that um, I became the educational programs coordinator at Grove Studios in Ypsilanti, Michigan, where we partner with community organizations to get kids involved in hip hop projects that will help them with their self, their self image. Um, help them with interpreting their lives. We were able to, I was able to executive produce a project called Formula 734 that engaged with an interge intergenerational group of men to bring them together to talk about stuff, talk about fatherhood, talk about money, talk about trauma, talk about women, and be able to take those themes that came out of those conversations and turn it. Now we're going to turn you loose in the studio for two hours and make music about it. So we made a project, put the project out, have a documentary. That documentary is actually premiering on February 21st. And I'll make sure that I share that with you. Um, and then, yeah, just I, I think that through those things, I've been able to just become a part of the broader conversation about the connection between music and education. I'm an advocate for um, schools. I'm an advocate for teachers. I'm an advocate for African-American men to become teachers. I'm a part of an organization called In Demand. Shout out to Quan Nellums, who, where we use hip hop and we use other tools to encourage black men to go into education, not only as teachers, but to just get involved in schools and bring those skill sets to schools. So they're developing some partnerships, hopefully at the state level. Um, and yeah, so this is my work. This is what I do. We also, lastly, the, one of the biggest reasons I'm here is as a part of all that, we got approached about something called the Ampli something that we ended up developing called the Amplify Fellowship, where we said we need more people to be involved in these community organizations that's doing outreach and trying to solve specific problems. Why don't we connect with artists and give those artists production, recording, engineering support in exchange for spending three hours of volunteerism at a community organization. So we're really proud of what we've been able to do in our first year. We've been able to, we have three fellows currently. Their names are Danny Darling, London Beck, and uh, Kenyatta Rashawn. They're all Ypsilanti students. And it's based right now around Washtenaw County. And Danny is supporting an organization that involves domestic abuse, 
and London is supporting an organization involving um, displaced and runaway youth. And Kenyatta's uh, supporting an organization, Women and Girls Making Change, which is a mentorship group for young ladies. So now their artistry is based around the things that they're doing for these groups in the or in, in the community. So I just couldn't be happier. I'm living my passion and I'm loving it. And yeah. Uh, man, let me jump in because listen, dude, you're really trying to change the world. You know, I love Absolutely. that because there's a lot of people that they stand there and they talk good. They take all the pictures and they make it, you know, you really trying to change the world. And another thing, I'm a little jealous, man, because I wish you was my teacher growing up. Like <laughs> those are the subjects I, I struggled in science and math. If I would have knew music would have made me better at that. Like, right. come on. But let me ask you this question because you guys were, 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 were innovators and, and very innovative. And, um, you know, was, was there any pushback from like, uh, you know, because you're, you're, that's not the traditional way of teaching. Sure. OK, now, did you guys have to go through any pushback from that or were there any challenges of you, um, you know, trying to change the traditional ways of how they always did things? Absolutely. I, I would say that because I was in a school that was 95 percent black when I started doing this and had 80 percent African-American staff, I think that it worked to a degree. And the majority of us were young. Shout out to everybody who was at YMCA Service Learning Academy those early years, the 2000s, Newton, Fountain, Leonard, all of us. But what, what I found is there's these things they're called teaching tensions. Like when, when teachers step into the field, they recognize the fact that there is tension between what they may believe and what they may choose to accomplish versus sometimes what schools are obligated to do. Mm. Um, you know, for example, there's a, a really there's been a lot of um, pressure to engage in teaching that supports standardized testing and things of that nature, while a teacher recognizing that that is not necessarily not only what students, the best way for students to learn, but it's not what will get them engaged in the curiosity necessary to learn about what they want to do in the job market. So the pushback was you there are very traditional ways of doing things that you're stepping away from. And so even though there was research that was being created that said this is the way to go about this Mateen, it was rejected because it was uncomfortable to the established way of teaching. So but I, I think what's beautiful about now is the fact that all bets are off. There are no golden calves. The unfortunate truth about COVID is that it's shown us what should be done and what can be done. We now understand that relationships and the development of culture between teacher and the student and the school and the student is number one. Number two, all of these old rules about these standard things that we believe should matter are kind of going out the window. So yes, there was pushback. And even when I became a school leader, um, I still believe that this was something that was necessary, but there are pressures that exist that force you to do things the old way. So you got to be strong. You got to be independent. You got to know what you believe in um, and you just got to push forward. And that's what I did. It's, it's a really interesting story, Rod, that you have. And, you know, circling back to something Mateen said, you know, the word that really strikes me is innovative. Um, you know, because in, in our previous conversation, you, you said that you wanted to, to find ways to mediate. African-American issues, and you found that teaching gave you the, the direct line to do that. Absolutely. But, but as, as you were kind of thinking about that, you know, and thinking about the impact you could have, um, you, you clearly had to get creative. Um, and as you zoom out a little bit and, and think about, you know, your career in a, in a broader context, um, you know, what, what thoughts do you have just on how to think um, in an innovative fashion, um, you know, and advice you may have for others out there um, who are looking to to make a sizable impact like you clearly are on your community? Um, I think I think that it requires you to start with kids first and look beyond your comfort zone, because for some people, it's not natural to talk about hip hop in class because they don't understand it. They don't know it. And it's sometimes it can be difficult to teach. It can, it can be difficult to teach teachers how to work with and how to understand students that they're not familiar with. Um, so you have to you have to kind of do the Dr. Strange thing and kind of step out of yourself and see the entirety of the picture. If this is the language and the literacy 
that our students are coming to the classroom with, who am I to take that and look at that as being, it's not acceptable. It's not right. It's not good enough. And I think sometimes the messaging is like that. And that's what I'm fighting against. I think also another thing that I encourage teachers to do is bring your gifts to the classroom. Teachers have gifts. We all as adults have gifts. And I think through our gifts, we're able to touch the souls of kids. We're able to touch the spirit of kids. If you try to create, you know, ride the person over here with his interests, beliefs, ideas, and things of that nature versus Mr. Wallace, who is a person who is strictly going into the schoolhouse to permit a job. I think the humanity that's necessary in the classroom is missed. It is. Now, it doesn't mean that a person has to serve their own beliefs to students. I think they should encourage students to think for themselves and give them the perspectives they need. But being innovative, take a look at take a look at your strengths, take a look at your interests, take a look at what the kids are involved in, find a middle ground and really attack that with some strong ideas. Mm, I like that, man. And I think every teacher needs to be aware of the influence that they have on these kids. Because I even remember, like you said, you talk about hip hop. And I remember even, you know, having ambition uh, to go be a professional athlete and teachers telling me, you know, that's like pretty much impossible because they didn't understand that side of it. You know, some of them were just pretty much bookworms and they didn't play sports. They were not athletes. So they shot down uh, all of, all of my ideas. And I think um, sometimes it's a a big disconnect. From the teacher to the student, you know, and and I I love what you guys are doing because you're getting on the level of the student. Okay, how do I um, break the code? How do I make that connection with this student, whether Mm -hmm. it's uh, um, through music? And I even think like some of these uh, outside teachers that's not from these communities need to spend more time in these communities so they know how to relate to these babies. And and just like if there's a kid from the, a guy from the inner city, that's never really been in the suburbs. I think he should spend time in the suburban Absolutely. areas and know how he could interact with those kids. So um, my, well, my question is, I, I, I said all this stuff, like um, what do you, it, I think it is, could you expand a little more on a disconnect uh, between I think teachers and students sometimes? I think that we all come to the classroom with our preconceived notions. And if and, and that that is that is not dependent on race, that is not dependent on anything other than what you come to the classroom with. Right. And I think breaking those things down requires um, a reteaching for um, all of us. Right. I, I always say um, my fifth grade, my fifth grade group, the first class that I taught. Uh, that fifth grade class involved, it, it, it also uh, it had uh, Jasmine Durham, who uh, was a broadcaster up in Flint, yes. WJRT. Um, they made me a man hmm. because when I left out of college, I was 23, fresh out of college. And now I'm responsible for 32 people who view me as being the authority figure. So I had to take a step back and say, What do I believe about who I am? What do I believe about what kids need? And what do I believe I need in order to to fit to fit that gap? Um, And so when you look at things from a cultural perspective, when you look at things from a socioeconomic perspective, um, you have to really get your hands dirty in the mud to learn what it is. And it doesn't mean stepping to a situation where you're going into an urban classroom and you walk into it with a mindset of pity or a mindset of, um, oh, I'm, I'm here to save the planet. What you really need to do is step into it with a mindset of what can I learn from them? Because the literacy and the genius that exists with our students in urban schools is not given the credence that it deserves. And it's not catalyzed as much as it is a person who wants to be a professional athlete, a student who is really focused on becoming a professional athlete. Is that because that is part of what they have seen as an image of success? It is also. an it's an exhibition in discipline 
is what professional athletes have to have. If you're able to tap into those things, as opposed to say, ah, oh, you ain't going to do that. Or, it's just like with musicians. I tell musicians, all young musicians all the time, look, everybody ain't going to be Drake. It, it's only one Drake. It's only right. one Lil Wayne. It's on, but along the way, you learn about yourself. You learn to develop other skills. You learn to develop understanding of marketing, understanding of resilience, understanding of networking, understanding of technology if you're actually making the music. So rather than using those things against our kids, use those things in concert with what you know they have to have when they walk away from K-12 so they can, whether or not they become a professional athlete, they will gain and develop the same skills that they could. Good point. You know, in, in listening to what you were just talking about, Rod, I want to I want to drill down a little bit, you know, because, you know, whether it's your experience uh, as an educator or in the music business uh, at every step of the way, you know, you have led people. So mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you, you know, bigger picture mm-hmm. uh, in your mind. What do you think makes a great leader? The ability to walk the walk. Mm. Um the ability to lead with questions and model the curiosity needed to get the job done. The ability to get out of the way. One of the greatest things that um, I learned as a leader, and it was both a gift and a curse for me, especially early on, was the fact that I gained more power as a leader when I gave away my power. Mm. I gained more power by creating other leaders um and 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 being being a listener being connected asking the right questions giving the right freedom but in the same token being very staunch in those who you lead about your why this is why this is important to me this is why so so therefore that's a line even though there's flexibility and freedom amongst their ability to make decisions regarding their department or their individual teams or whatever, there's a very staunch why, a clearly understood why that creates a limit by which people will not cross with you because they know that's something that they won't, that, that you won't stand for. I look at, I look at Tom Brady and I give Tom Brady a lot of credit, um, not because of his age, but because as a leader, he held people accountable. And if he had to hold you, he, he could hold you accountable by yelling at you on the sidelines, but he also held you accountable by example. Because you knew that there were certain things that you would not do against him because you knew that it was something that you that, that he did not believe in. So um, being human is important. Reflecting your humanity Um Modeling curiosity, moder- model, uh, modeling diligence, modeling um, the ability to give away your power. Those things are really important to me as a leader. I like that stuff. And you you mentioned Tom Brady. And I think, I mean, he's one of the, me being a Michigan State guy, I shouldn't even like Tom Brady, right? Yeah. But I say, how, how do you not? You know what I mean? You right. got to respect the guy, what this guy does. And I think another a uh, good trait he has and all great leaders have is what approach to take to each individual person that they interact with. You know, he knows when to holler at people and who can take that. He knows when he got to encourage someone, you know, Absolutely. and I think every great leader has that. So I'm glad uh, you brought that up, but let, let me ask you this. You know uh, what, before you say that, I want to say this ahead. too. Go ahead. To be a great teacher, you have to be a great leader. Mm. Because you can have deficient skills as a teacher in terms of understanding the content and how to teach it and this, that, and the third. But if you are a great leader, if you develop yourself as a leader who individualizes things, like you said, Mateen, mm-hmm. if you are a great leader who sets the example and puts in the work and works to understand the problem that has to be solved, the kids will run through a wall for you. 
And yes. you know that because it's people who were coaches, people who were pair pros in school, people who were just hanging around the school that kids follow because they were great leaders. So we have to make great leaders as, as before we can make great teachers. Keep teaching on, Rod. See, I love that. See how you stopped me, Justin. Hold on, wait, 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 wait a minute. I, I just know? had to say that. That is That's really it. important to me. It, it, hey, it, you, it, you guys, it. you guys were you were speaking my language when you were giving Tom Brady all kinds of props. I mean, that's my guy. I mean, Mateen already knows that. I'm a, I'm a Boston guy, Rod. So you, know, oh, you, don't, yeah. okay. you don't have to preach the gospel of Tom Brady okay. to me. I'm already um, on board, but thank you for doing it nonetheless. Mateen, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, 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 for sure. And I'm glad you jumped. This is your show. So jump in whenever you want to. We want you to be able to talk freely and do whatever you got to do. But let me ask you this, because I got to know, like, how the conversation goes with, cause you said, you know, everybody's not Drake. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I got to know how this conversation goes with these kids because you know, me growing up, everybody like we, at first we all wanted to play the drums cause we loved the drums, you know, they were right. fun to play, but then right. again, we noticed the lead singer, man, he getting all the girls. Okay. So <laughs> now everybody wants to be the lead singer instead of the backup right. dancers. Okay. Right. So what, what like, Cause and then there's so many things you can do with music right. besides being the artist. You know right. what I mean? Right. You could be a producer. You can, I mean, there's so many different facets how you can have uh, make a life, uh, li- right. make you know, make a living off music. And I, I always right. tell kids the same thing about sports. You see guys playing sports, but there's agents, there are referees. There's I mean, there's so much that go into this stuff. Right. Um, so how does that conversation go? When they say, "What I want to be the lead singer," what you mean? You know, do all these other things. We we talk about we differentiate between being 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 famous and being rich. <laughs> it's a difference. Yes, good point. It's a difference. And 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 one of the things that I've shared with young people is what is the difference? You know, when kids talk about their favorite artists, you know, um, you know, a lot of them they will like you know certain artists and then they will really like other artists. And when we talk about you know, I talk to them a lot about Drake. Why Drake is so successful? Why is Kendrick? so successful why is j cole so successful and because the reason that they're so successful is that they are they are very adept at sharing who they are in a very authentic way Hmm. and the music that our young people create has the capacity to free them so if you focus on freeing yourself and being true to yourself then success can come It can. But if it doesn't, you still have had the ability to purge your feelings, your thoughts, your one of the greatest, greatest things that we did in Formula 734. We had a conversation and it's actually a part of the documentary. We had a conversation about fatherhood and not to give too much away. But one of the young men said, I can't talk about that. I don't I I don't know anything about having a father. Wow. And the assignment that they ended up having was you got to make a song about what you would say to your son. Mm. And some were able to kind of come off the top and they used the reflection of what they thought about their own father. So for him to step to that exercise, it was freeing to him. But in the same token, like you were talking about, there, just as there are people who expose those things and they, they become artists or whatever, there are so many people who I call music artisans around music, photographers, uh, engineers. I'm a mix engineer and a, record, uh, a recording mix and mastering engineer myself. And there is an art to that as well. So I'm able to get my artistic itch scratched by doing that without me having to be the one that's on the mic, rocking the mic. So... I just try to teach them about the fact that what you see as being music is a commercialized form of art, but anybody can create music and reap the benefits personally that it gives to you. It get, it make you feel good when you do something in music you ain't never did, or you wrote some bars that was, was better than anything you've ever written. And you, it's, it's a great feeling for you get addicted to that feeling and don't worry about what's happening outside of yourself. That's what I tell kids. Rod, I want to, I want to go back to, to something you said earlier, um, you know, relating to music uh, and it's transferable skills, you know, cause you said that, you know, the kids you teach um, you, you make sure to reinforce to them that they're going to learn about math and science and there's critical mm-hmm. thinking and, and who knows what doors, um, you know, their experience in music may open. 
Mm-hmm. And you know, just thinking about uh, the job market today and, and people in business, you know, you got to have transferable skills. I mean, you know, to, to borrow a, a basketball analogy, you can't just be a three point specialist anymore. You know, you, you got to have skills that transfer. Uh, you got to be able to do different things. You're much more valuable to any organization if you are versatile, if you have transferable skills. Um, and as you look at not just the kids that you work with, but also, you know, people in business today, um, what, what is your thought just on the on the importance of being versatile um, and, and being able to market yourself as somebody who has that versatility. Um, from the, from the context of music um, and, and Mateen knows this more than anybody. Um, there are people who frame themselves as being dot connectors, people who have the capacity to connect this person and their skills to this person and their skills. And the networking element of it is based around being able to meet the needs of other people. So we teach people to be able to be as multifaceted as possible. So for musicians, we teach, you know, you want to teach a person who's making music to learn as much as you can about it, about the creation of music before you got to give your money to somebody else to do it. Um, So if that means, you learn how to use the programming, uh, the, the, the computer programming to be able to create music. That's fine. You learn an instrument. That's fine. You learn how to do different things with your voice. That's fine. And I think that the same is true as it transcends into business, owning a business, um, being a, a, a well-rounded um, asset to whatever community you choose to be in. Um, it all transfers. So, um I think when it comes to being able to be a musician who develops multiple skills and being multifaceted, I think that it transfers in that you got to step into any job and be willing and able to be able to do multiplicitous things. And then if you own a business, you absolutely got to be able to do or learn. So we talked to when in, in our in the time that in the times that I've talked to young people, Um, I always talk to them about being teachable and finding mentorship and being willing to step forward and say, I don't know. And that's a hard thing for young people to really learn and older people too. I was going to say it's, it's a hard thing for, for grownup people, for for adults to to go to a colleague or, or even better to go to a leader and say, "I, I, I don't know. That's, that's hard. Because it's a po- because it's a power thing. We don't want someone to know what we don't know. But then, in the same token, we don't want to ask for we don't want to ask or give away power either. So for me, I'm beginning to work on a podcast, um, and actually, I'm gonna be recording the first edition in a couple of days. But I had to realize I can't record the podcast, edit the podcast, market the podcast, and everything. And then do everything else that I'm involved in. So I had to give that away. I have to be able to trust people. And I think it all relates back to music. When it comes to music, you have to be able to give the people around you the ability to do their job and illustrate some level of trust. So I think it's, 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 it's a very clear cut. Um, it's a very clear cut parallel. And just as far as purebred transferable skills, I've always been a person that believed that if you can work music programming like Pro Tools and Logic and stuff like that, you can create you can work any design software. You can work any any um, any coding. You can learn about coding and things of that nature. I have a friend named Shamar Heron. I don't know if you know Shamar Mateen. He was at Ohio State several yeah, years ago. I know ago. Shamar. He took Absolutely. the to Michigan State. He should have came to Michigan State. <laughs> I don't know the conversation, but go ahead, Ron. Absolutely. <laughs> Shamar is, you know, Shamar works with Michigan Works, and his thing is Industry 4.0, Industry 4.0, teaching about augmented reality, teaching about the, the Internet of Things, because these are the careers that are going to control the next 10 years of our market. So I'm thinking, you know, what the kids who are learning how to use Pro Tools and comfortable doing editing and things of that nature and writing code, those are the kids that are going to be able to take advantage of those opportunities if they see that there's a clear connection between making music and being able to, to facilitate work in those areas. Listen, I'm glad you, you you said that because I I uh, I dibbled and dabbled in the music industry. I'm I'm, I'm no longer you know okay. really into it like I used to be. Yes, but 
Um, I remember, you know, being in uh, Dr. Dre's studio and had mm-hmm. an artist that was recording and we had people that was just in the studio. They were just sitting around and the guy was like, oh, I could play that instrument for you or I could play that piano for you. We like, oh, my God, this is cool, man. We got access to musicians that can just do anything we yes. need. They can do it. So we were like, oh, yeah, jump on this song, jump on that, do this, do that until we got the bill. Yes. That wasn't free. Okay. Yes. Now they're hanging around the studio and they're sending you $20,000 bills and 30, yes. they're eating up the budget. Um, Cause we didn't really understand that part of it. Now, and then that leads me into this next question mm-hmm. uh, for you. Um, do you guys teach and, and how important is it for people to understand the business of it? Because even uh, I'm in mortgages and I knew nothing about mortgages. So right. I, I'm still scrambling to learn more about mortgages because that's the business I'm in. Some right. some athletes don't understand the history of being a basketball player. Think LeBron James is a, he understands the business of it. So right. my question to you is like, how how important is it, man, for people to whatever you're doing? How important is it for them to understand the business of it? It's it's absolutely imperative. I had an opportunity to do a study um, on producers who were above the age of 18. They self-identified as producers and asking them questions about things like, you know, how much do you learn from YouTube in terms of adding new techniques? Um, You know, what equipment do you use? So on and so forth. One of the questions that I asked was, what is your comfort level with understanding how to protect your music through what are called performance rights organizations? These are organizations like ASCAP, BMI, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And that question, they were really skewed towards they have no knowledge of it. And what it just continued to drive home for me is it's not out of desire, but there are a few people, there are many people who are musicians who are afraid of the stories that they've heard with regards to being screwed out of money so much that they try to make it a transactional business. Like, you know, I'm going to make a beat. I'm going to make you overpay up front for it. And I don't, you know, credit me and keep it moving just in case don't nothing ever happen to the music. Mm-hmm. Um, I give shots out to people like Theo Ellis from Pro Sound Media. Shots out to Brandon Scarber, ASIR Consulting who really work hard. We just did a workshop for um, the Amplify Fellowship talking specifically about self-management, self-management. We talked to, there's a gentleman named Nelson Johnson from up in Pontiac um, who talks a lot about sync licensing, how to get your music on Love & Hip Hop Miami and get checks forever. Right. Got to fight arm and leg to get people to come to learn it to learn the information and it ain't free, but it's, I mean, when you consider you make that money back with one placement. So I think, um, we, I think that, that when you look at our history, we've all seen the movies like five heartbeats, temptations, this, that, and third, where on the back end, you know, these companies, um, because they had a grip on the business, were able to stay in business while the artists went broke. And that's one of the things with the fellowship, when we created the fellowship, yes, the fellowship through its supporters and funders and sponsors is able to pay for these records to be made by these artists. But the one thing that I was adamant about was that we do not own any of it. The artists own all of it because mm-hmm. that undoes that. But we are also obligated to teach them about it in simple terms. This is the same thing that we've seen over and over when people, I mean, even in athletics, people don't read their contract. People expect that when they announce a five-year, $20 million deal um, on TV, you know, they think that that person is going to make $4 million a year. Uh-uh. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's much different than you think it is. So absolutely, that is the push machine. And that goes back to that transferable skills piece. Um, if I teach you about mechanical royalties and publishing, it can teach you about contract writing overall. It can teach you about how to read contracts and how to read your mortgage. It can teach you about so many other different things. Um, all of that is built into it, um, built into what is needed for young musicians. Absolutely. Rod, I, w- I want to ask you, you know, just about your mindset um, as it relates to, you know, specifically the fellowship, because you just talked about it. You know, you need funding, you need sponsors. 
um, to create these opportunities for these artists. Absolutely. To grow. Um, you know, as you're out there, you know, figuratively now, obviously in a pandemic, but pounding the pavement to get support for your organization. Um, what, what is the mindset that you have? Um, nothing as, as difficult as COVID has been, because really truthfully, the fellowship was born out of not only COVID, but the social unrest that we witnessed over the summer. And it really put shout out to Leon speakers. Um, they were, they've been our first sponsor um, up to this point. They really had a staunch interest in how can we engage with, and, and their realm is music. So how do we engage with African-American artists to hear and amplify their authentic voices and encourage creativity and the, the liberation that music offers in this climate? So the mindset is, I think that we're standing upon the, 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 the precipice of a revolution when it comes to artist, art, artistry. Um, again, the rules, we've seen the music industry kind of change drastically in the last year. And in the last few years, you see what streaming has done and what streaming does for artists. Um, in terms of exposing them to, all, to, to, to communities all over the place while simultaneously limiting their ability to make, make, you know, make money from what they do. So we want to make certain that we maintain the artistic expression of artists during these times. Um, and our funders have allowed us to do that. Um, we are going to companies to say, we're trying to, to kill two birds with one stone. We want people to continue to create the art that allows our communities freedom. Um, even if it's for those few moments where they're standing in front of a stage listening or they're hearing somebody locally make music, but also extending the, the, the creativity and the ambassadorship of those artists into these community organizations to be able to get out and speak the language of the communities that they're from and the communities that the, that these organizations are best served to go into. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Um, and we're very happy about that. And I'm, I'm very proud. It's, it's not for, I'll say, you know, it's not for people who want to do something on the surface that feels good or looks good. You know, Hey, we, you know, th there's a lot of opportunities that exist. That's like that for us. We want to support the artistic community while simultaneously putting boots on the ground all over the place that support what um, our community organizations are doing. And, and we allowed our, our, our fellows to choose the organization that they worked with. Let us give you some or let us put you in a position where you can serve how you want to serve because there's a billion ways to serve around us. And we just don't always get the word spread to us. So our hope is that our our, our fellows can help spread the word of what these companies are doing. I, I love that. And I just, and, and I know Mateen, you want to jump in here, but I just want to, I want to reiterate, you know, to our listeners that as, as part of this fellowship, Rod, Amplify, um, the participants, the fellows who are selected, you require them to choose a nonprofit Yes. Like you said, that they are going to support individually for at least three hours every month. And I not only do I commend you for that, because I love the, the concept, I think that also sends a great message to every organization out there, um, every business about the importance of giving back. Absolutely. Um, and, and not only you know for the organization, but empower your team members to find organizations, nonprofits that they feel strongly about that they want to give back to. So I just want to commend you on that and say, I think you guys are setting a great example uh, by what you're doing there. Thank you. Thank you. And, and what's funny is about the title. Um, it's called a fellowship because we have fellows and we want to amplify their voices. But another target of the organization, not only through the fellowship, but um, we also do something called the What Now Music Industry Forum, where we actually talk to other people who are musicians around us who, to talk to them about, you know, what was their shift like from COVID? What are they doing to maintain and address their mental health during this time? What are, you know, for, for those of you, for those artists who are educators, how do you kind of blend those two areas? So, um, you know, not only are we, are we a, a, a fellowship that's amplifying those voices, but we're trying to amplify the fellowship of artists, 
and community organizations overall. So, um, yeah, we're, we're really happy about what our fellows are doing and the partnerships that we've been able to develop. I love this, man. <clears throat> Rod, this is some some heavy stuff, man. I, I love what you guys are doing and I applaud you and, act and, 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 and encourage you to continue to do so. And I know you will, but let me check this out. It, there's a lot of, of kids, especially younger folk that don't understand the process, uh, you know, what it takes to be successful. You know, I know in, in, in sports, you know, everybody mm-hmm. think they, I'm just going to, you know, I don't have to work hard at basketball. I just go in the gym every now and then and I can make it to the NBA. Or right. you got, um, I'm sure in music, some guys think, I just go in the studio, especially not, you know, I'll just go in the studio for a few hours. I'll make a hit. <laughs> It'll catch on and right. then I'll be rich the next day. Or even I see it in uh, in the mortgage industry at our company. You got, they, they know we're having a lot of success. So they think, you know, I'll come in there for a few months and and if you then a year or two, I'll be a millionaire, you right. know, and I understand that it's a process and then you got to have patience. And yes. it's a lot that go into that. So what are some mm-hmm. of your teachings uh, for some of your younger, um, you know, folk that you interact with uh, about, you know, being patient and embrace the process? And, and, and my whole opinion is you got to be ready. You want to be ready when you get there. You know, yeah. you don't want to skip right. steps. So I don't want to take your thunder. You, you go ahead and, 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 and mm-hmm. just run with that. You know, I think um, we speak through the music. What did Nipsey Hussle teach us? Nipsey taught us that the marathon continues. Right. It it does not. Ha- it's not a sprint. It's not a jog. It's a marathon. And just when you think that you've reached a certain landmark, you realize that there's another landmark to hit. Um, one thing that I, I talked to my brothers about um, is about how when Many people was hearing the Rick Rosses and the Jeezy, the Jeezy's talking about um, illegal activities in their music. What we heard was, if you look past that, the motivation that's involved, mm. the motivation that's engaged. It's, it's, it's this encouragement. Even when we talk about um, like a payroll Giovanni, um, I'm really into his music. I'm not necessarily into everything that's being talked about. But I, I'm I'm interested in the understanding that sometimes you fall off, sometimes things don't work the way, but you got to continue to grind and you got to continue to build up. So we speak to them through the language of the music and help them see what's really being said beyond what's on the surface. But I also believe that we have to make certain that we out, we clearly outline the steps that's involved to young people. For us at Upper Bound at EMU, we talk to our kids. We call it the process. We tutor our kids Monday through Thursday from 3.30 to 6. They can come twice a week. We tutor on Saturdays. We have once a month Saturday program, and we have a a summer academy program that exists for five weeks um, in the month of June and July. And excuse me. Um, And what we tell them is this is the percentage of people who don't have to pay to go to college. If you want to be that person and your parent wants you to be that person, these are the things that you're going to have to do. Your grades got to be stellar. Your test scores got to be great. You got to have a great story. We're a part of your story and we'll help make that story for you. We'll help you because we're not just going to say you can only be one thing. You need to be a lot of things in high school. Your test scores, we're going to work through those, but those test scores don't mean as much as they used to if you've been paying attention. But your grades got to be stellar. In order for your grades got to, to be stellar, it's not about how intelligent you are. It's about how hard you work. So we're going to start you as a freshman. We're going to deal with your self-image issues you might have. We're going to deal with all that. We're going to establish some positive elements. When you become a sophomore, we're going to teach you about how money works. We're going and, and, and still keep your grades going. When you're an 11th grader, we're going to start teaching you about or, or making certain that you have a pathway and also teach you about, you know, getting ready for the SAT and this, that, and the third and getting ready for the process to sell yourself and market yourself. And then as a senior, it's just a springboard. So there's a process that's involved. And I think that the better we do at really acquainting people with the process and not just saying, that's what you want to shoot for. And there's nothing here, 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 here. I think that we can get more kids to take advantage. But also another thing I tell you, Mateen, is, we have to do the Dr. Strange with kids. We got to get kids to see themselves outside of themselves. And that's developmental. 
to a degree that's developmental but you have to that's why when we do our summer academy program we take kids out of we, we they stay on campus yeah. from sunday night to friday night and we're gonna put you in class we're gonna do workshops we're gonna have fun stuff but you can't take your phone your phone gotta stay in your room you know you completely out of the loop so it gives kids a chance to see that not only this is what it takes, but this is something that they can do. So you're, you're, it is the process. Your message, sorry, Rod, it, you know, so, sorry to cut you off there, but yeah, the, the process to, is, is a great point, Mateen. And, you know, just the, the messages that you have for these kids, you know, it's, it's so powerful, but, you know, going back to our, our previous conversation, you know, you, you've got this backlog of thousands of young people who you've worked with over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you to talk about, you know, the key to building trust and building a solid relationship because, you know, just listening to you talk about these things, it's like your, your messaging obviously is so on point, but to me, it, it resonates that much more when the trust is there, when you've got that relationship. So, so for you, what is that, what, what is it about you that's allowed you to, to build relationships with, with so many young people? And, and I guess to, to carry that forward, what is your advice for others who are looking to do the same in their own lives or careers? I think I think my first piece of advice is to tell people to seek to understand people before seeking to be understood by people. Lead with your interest in understanding them. And kids know when it's authentic. Adults are very good at lying. Kids are not. And and um you know, I did I I think about how you know, when I used to want to be, you know, a successful rapper and all that stuff, too. And but I all, but I stayed in the classroom. I stayed in the classroom. I didn't dedicate 100 percent of my energy towards that. You know, I made music and I, I continue to make music and work on projects and stuff like that. But I'm satisfied with the fact that there are thousands of kids who I have engaged with who think I'm the man. You know what I'm saying? Because of the fact that I developed and built that trust with them. Um, Seeking to understand before seeking to be understood is extremely important. And I think showing an ardent interest in hearing their voices Um, and as well as them having the understanding that you will pull up if needed. I had a little girl. I'm, I'm real. I'm just being honest. I had a little girl just yesterday. I had a little girl who hadn't been to our program recently and we hit, you know, we had paid, you know, made some phone calls and this, that, and third, and we was unsuccessful. I pulled up at her house with no <laughs> warning or nothing. I pulled up at her house, like knocked on the door. She came to the door. I'm like, where you been at? We've been looking for you. Oh, you know, my phone changed this, that, and the third. Well, we, we worried about you. We want you to be with us. We want to make sure you can be successful. Here's my car with my information on it. On the back of it is how you can get connected with your, with your tutor and this, that, and the third, blah, blah, blah. Those experiences don't die with people. When you stick your neck out, when you when you do things in an effort to try to understand, we I remember times where teachers went the extra mile for me. So being willing to do that with no agenda, those are the things that that affect people. And I don't think it's just kids either. I think it's adults too. Um yeah. 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 That's good stuff. And let me and let me say this because you you said, you know, that your interactions with people and, and you, them feeling like you're the man. And, you know, like that's so important because, you know, it's funny. I, I This is how I know I'm old now, because in my community, I'm just the old guy that give free basketball caps. Mm-hmm. They don't even know I played. They weren't even born when I played, mm-hmm. you know, and that's OK with me. I love that because yeah. they're not looking at me like a celebrity or this guy. They're just saying we like him because, he, you know, he's always encouraging us. and He cares about us. He gives free basketball caps. So yes. that's my interaction with these babies from my my community is that this is the dude who get the free basketball caps. It's yes. not the, oh he, oh, he played basketball. He works at a, a very successful company and that's okay with me. I love it. So when you said that, that just lit me up. Cause I'm like that, yep. that's what I'm in it for as well, Ron. Yeah. And that's, and that's why I said what I said before we got started, you know, it's very easy for, for me, me and you, you know, although, you know, we went in two different pathways of life, we could have really went behind the gate or stayed in the house and, 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 and did what we did in order to take care of our families. But the fact that you out and you about and you engaging with people is what 
our people need. You know, I, I think about how uh, Washington County, my brother's keeper, um, how in the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of the the ignorant, I don't want to say the ignorance, but w- the uncertainty about the pandemic. Washington County, my brother's keeper, was out in Ypsilanti passing out materials, bleach, pine saw, shout out to Jamal Buffer in, in Washington County, passing out paper towels and this, that, and the third, not knowing whether or not we were putting ourselves at risk. And we didn't, did none of us have to do that. Right. And so I think, again, giving away your power to get power, you giving away your power gives you more power. And I think that's what you just talked about. As we, uh, as, as we put a bow on the conversation, Rod, and, and this has been great. Um, I want to, I want to, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't just get your thoughts on uh, the future um, and, you know, having this conversation with you against the backdrop, not just of black history month, um, mm-hmm. but also, as you said, um, the last year or so in this country um, and all the social injustice that we've seen um, as, as you think about what you've been doing for years um, against that backdrop, um, and, and how you are changing the future um, with the work you are doing with these kids. Um, what thoughts come to mind for you? Um, I think on a, on a, on a bigger level, on a bigger level. Uh, that was, by the way, that was great timing, by the way, for, for those who are watching this, so the video, right, your, right, right. your son just popped into the room. So right, how about, how about right, that right. for irony? On a, on a bigger <laughs> level. Um, I think that, as a society, my hope is that we continue to challenge convention because we've all been forced to. Um, and it doesn't mean that I think that the argument, the arguing and things that we see, um, it makes people uncomfortable. But I do think that it's given us the ability, if we can do it productively, I think it can give us the opportunity to try to slowly develop some universal truths amongst us. Um, that's my hope. Um, and I think that it, it will, it will create another generation of people who hopefully can be more conscientious of each other because of what we've encountered in the last year. Um, I think as far as education, I think that, um, again, there's no golden calves. Um, Nothing is what it was, and we've been forced to innovate. So I'm looking forward to how innovation will affect education moving forward. Um, as far as music, um, I think what we're doing is the the wave of the future, too, because we're putting ownership of the music back in the hands of the artists. And we're also finding different and nuanced ways to ensure that music continues to get made and artists have the resources to, be, to continue to make it without the monolithic kind of entity that is the music industry. Um, it, it's, 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 very, it's very predatory. And Mateen, you talked about that earlier. It can be very predatory for people who don't know what's what. Um, and then for me personally, um, I'm looking forward to finishing my PhD and looking forward to kind of taking this truth into preparing the next generation of teachers, because my belief is that teaching is an act of revolution. Um, and that's why I got into teaching and I left the, the glitz and glamour of being behind the cameras and stuff behind when I was a, a college kid in the interest of um, changing people's lives and and. I've, I've changed the lives of young people, some of the young people that are around me. And it's my it's my life's treasure other than my kids and my wife and things like that. You know, so um, that's what I think the future is for me. I love it. I love it. Great stuff. Rod, you, you're doing it, man. You are. You're doing it. You're changing lives um, with with this great work you do. So uh, thanks. Thanks for sharing with us. Uh, it's been it's been great to have you. And um we look forward to uh, to all the great things that are still yet to come for you. I, I know that the uh, the mission is, is is far from over from you. So absolutely, uh, continued success to uh, to you and, and and good luck with all those future endeavors that you, that you've got. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And anybody who's out there who's interested in supporting the fellowship, they can go to amplify fellowshipcom 
Um, there is a donate tab. There's also a partner tab. So if you're interested in being a community organization that we can get a fellow to, um, you're welcome to, to fill that out as well. And yeah, we're just interested in growing. We wanted to, you know, eventually move past the borders of Washtenaw County and move to Michigan and then hopefully move to, you know, the United States and we can have pockets of Amplify fellows all over the country. So um, I'm really proud of this work and um, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys today. To make sure you never miss an episode of Power Forward, subscribe wherever you find your podcasts and leave us a review. And look for another new episode coming your way two weeks from now featuring more inspirational stories of success. I'm Justin White. We'll see you next time on Power Forward.